Galatians chapter 5. We'll start reading at the first verse. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free, and do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Indeed, I, Paul, say to you that if you become circumcised, Christ is, will profit you nothing. And I testify again to every man who becomes circumcised that he is a debtor to keep the whole law. You have become estranged from Christ, you who attempt to be justified by the law. You have fallen from grace. For we, through the Spirit, eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision availeth anything, but faith worketh working through love. If you'll skip on down to verse 13. For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And verse 16. I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. Verse 25. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Father, as we come to this portion of the service where your word is being broken, where we are receiving the message for which you have for us this morning, God, would you prepare our hearts? Would you give us ears to hear? Would you, by your Spirit, quicken these words to our heart? For we know that this is the living word. And this word is sharper than any two-edged sword. And Lord, we're looking for you to do a work in us this morning. So, Lord, make us open to what you're saying. Help us in this endeavor by anointing with your Spirit and anointing this pastor to preach. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> Hallelujah. <clears throat> Christian freedom can be dangerous. In fact, too much freedom can be dangerous. And Paul and his opponents in Galatia charged that Paul was cheapening the gospel. He was making Christianity easy. He was leaving Christian freedom to the individual that whatever they wanted to do, they could do. That's kind of the inference here. But that is far from the truth. Uh, a Christian is not free to do whatever he wants to do. How many of you realize that? 
a Christian is free to serve Jesus. A Christian is free to do the will of God. And uh, we need to guard that freedom. We need to enjoy that freedom, but we need to guard against losing Christian freedom. Paul gives an answer here that if we walk in the Spirit, and I want to talk about walking in the Spirit. This letter is addressed to people who uh, know the meaning of Christian faith. And we had a, quite a discussion on Christian faith this morning in our Sunday school. They were talking about entering into rest this rest that God has provided. And it's by faith that we enter into these things. And these Christians knew about faith. They had experienced and they had accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior and Lord. They had examined their lives and uh, repented from sin. They had re received the baptism in the Holy Spirit. But what do you do after the goosebumps are gone? And I guess we were kind of touching on that in Sunday school too. So I, I believe this is a real word from God today. I believe that it's been confirmed in more than one way. I picked up the daily bread and it kind of confirmed it this morning. How many read the daily bread this morning? And it kind of confirmed the message of, of freedom. And uh, I guess it's because of uh, the 4th of July just being passed, but I also believe that God is interested in our freedom. What do you do after the goosebumps have left? What do you do after the newness of Christianity is kind of worn off a little bit? What do you do uh, when when you get down to the nitty-gritty of living out your faith. And I guess that's what we're really talking about. This question kind of arose in Galatia. And uh, they wanted to know, where does my faith fit in to the endless routine of uh, washing clothes and washing dishes and and uh, keeping house and earning a living and, and uh, watching and raising babies. How do I fit my faith and my beliefs into my everyday life? And I, I was so glad for George's message in Sunday school because it, it just kind of, I, I thought he was going to steal all my thunder. And I love it when God does that because I know this is what God wants spoken of today. How do I live my faith? That's what we're talking about. The Judaizers had a quick answer here. They said, obey the law. Well, Paul gives us a more adequate answer, and he says, walk in the Spirit. And what Paul is saying, what does he mean, walk in the Spirit? Well, what he's, what he's really getting at 
is that we live each moment with the knowledge that Christ is present with us. You know, sometimes we get the idea that, well, Christ is present here at the church. Christ is present here at the altar. Christ is present when, when I get those little goosebumps, when, when I can feel the Spirit moving throughout the congregation. But what we've got to realize that Christ said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Christ is with us on a permanent basis. He's with you when you're doing the menial tasks of life as well as He is here in this church. And so what we're talking about is practicing the presence of God. And I was trying to get George to make a commitment this morning as to who it was that wrote that book. He says it was Brother Andrew. I'm not sure. Is that right? Wrote the book, Practicing the Presence of God? Brother Lawrence. Brother Lawrence. Okay. We finally got someone that knows. But he wrote a book about, he was a monk, and he, was, he wanted to grow in the things of the Lord. He wanted to, to, to have this, uh, uh, all these wonderful experiences of the Lord. But he was, he was given the task of cooking and, and, and uh, doing dishes and all these things. And he found out that even in doing dishes, it could be done as unto the Lord. And that he could experience Jesus Christ while he was maybe cooking something on, on, the, on the stove. Or you can experience Christ while running a vacuum cleaner. Or driving a bus. Or changing a baby's diapers. As long as you do all things as unto the Lord. And that's what we're talking about. We're talking about walking in the Spirit. But there's some obstacles in our path. How many here have been Spirit-filled for some time? We are at war. The enemy of our soul is out to uh, shipwreck every one of us. And being a Christian is not as easy as, try, as some people try to make it out to be. At least it hasn't been for me. Maybe it is for everyone else, but it hasn't been for me. We're in a constant struggle against evil. Against the devil, against the world, against the flesh. And the biggest obstacle is not the devil. The biggest obstacle is not the world. Our biggest hindrance to Christian living is self. 
James says, resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Amen? You're led away, first of all, of your own lust, and then the devil conceives. Our biggest problem is what Paul calls the flesh. We, uh, we know people who are sick, and uh, they're not responsible for their actions, whether it's due to a chemical imbalance, or some other thing, they mentally deranged to the point where they just are not responsible for their actions. And we hear all kinds of excuses and one of them is, I couldn't help it. I, I, brother, I tried. I really tried, Pastor. I, I, I just couldn't help it. The devil made me do it. They don't actually come right out and say the devil made me do it. But that's the inference. Uh, if it wasn't for my husband... You know, the devil uh, gets, gets blamed for a lot of things. But back in Genesis, even Adam, the first excuse he made was, it's that woman you gave me. <laughs> and I just don't believe that the women are behind all the things that are going on in this world, all right? It's that boyfriend. Oh, I, I could be a wonderful Christian if it wasn't for that girlfriend of mine. If it wasn't for those classmates of mine in school. If it wasn't for those people on the job. You don't know the conditions that I have to work under. All you hear is constantly tearing away at your Christianity. I, I, if it wasn't for those people. Etc., etc., etc. What are we doing when we do that? We're denying re our human responsibility. We're saying, God, it's not my fault. How many of you really know that we do just about what we want to do when we want to do it? If I want to do it, I normally can find a way to do it. And it, I, I think we need to take this responsibility for our actions. Let's be honest. Let's not be lying to ourselves. I, I, I'll admit, sometimes we have misjudgments. 
Sometimes it's an honest mistake. But you know what? I think God's grace is big enough to cover honest mistakes. But the problem is, most of us don't want to admit to our mistakes. We try to make excuses, just like we did when we were kids, you know, and we'd spill milk on the table and, and Ma or Dad would say, What are you doing? What's happening here? And they'd get all upset because you spilt the milk. Hey, it was an honest mistake. So we begin to cover up all mistakes. We don't want to get into trouble of any kind. But I want to tell you something. When you begin to lie to yourself, you're in trouble already. And so we need to take and accept the responsibility for our actions. Someone said, the human spirit uncontrolled by Christ Proceeds all manner uh, proceeds with all manner of evil, and we see that in our reading here, verses nineteen through twenty-one. Now the work of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanliness, licentiousness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred. Contentions, jealousy, outbursts of uh, wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murder, drunkenness, revelry, and the like. If he didn't cover it there, it's covered under and the like. And so, we're out of control. Many of us are out of control especially those that have not accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior, they're out of control. And when the life is not consciously directed toward God, the results are disastrous. I don't think most of us have to be told about that. I had a disastrous past before I came to Jesus Christ. Everything was leading to death. If it wasn't drinking, it wasn't uh, smoking, it was probably something else that was going to bring me to an early grave. But do you know, I think that the spirit-controlled life is where, where it's at. And that's what Paul's trying to say here. We can overcome the flesh. That's the message for today. We can overcome the flesh. We can walk in the Spirit. They that walk in the Spirit will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Anyone who takes his faith seriously knows the problems I've been telling them. That's not where it's at. We need to know the solution. And the solution is to stay so full of God, to stay so close to God, to let Jesus Christ control your life, to let the Spirit come in and take control so that we can overcome. Amen? How many of you have ever tried self-improvement plans? I want to tell you something. 
They don't work. They may work for a while, but you fall right back into the same old rut. The more we struggle, the worse things seem to be. The Galatian people were uh, trying the same thing, self-improvement, and uh, may be described in different words, but what they were saying was, be circumcised, eat kosher foods, say certain prayers each day, obey the law. How many of you know that that's bondage? Bondage! And the very first verse, Paul said, Stand fast therefore in the liberty wherein Christ has set you free, and be not entangled again in the yoke of bondage. How many of you know that Christianity can become bondage if not lived in the Spirit? If it's a bunch of do's and don'ts. For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Only do not use liberty as an occasion to the flesh. Verse 13. Christian freedom doesn't give us the license to live on a lower level. Turn with me to Matthew 5. Matthew 5 and verse 20. For I say to you that unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will by no means Enter into the kingdom of heaven. Now these were the religious people of that day. They were the cream of the crop. They certainly had a heart after God. They were looking to satisfy God. In fact, they were going the extra mile to fulfill the law. But it was all external. There was nothing internal. And that's what we're talking about. We have the privilege of allowing the Holy Spirit to dwell within us, to control us. I'm telling you, otherwise you can strive as you will, but the old Adam nature will come to the surface again. It's only by walking in the Spirit that you subdue the flesh. Those old desires. Those things that come from the, from the needs of the body. And Paul gives us the answer to this dilemma. In verse 
16. I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not, shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Shall not. There is no such thing, even though the Bible talks about it, I, I, I just find an incongruity there somewhere, uh, the fact that Paul talks about carnal Christians. Carnal means fleshly. Christians. That's like saying a black white man. Isn't it? I just believe that we have the opportunity to be spiritual men. Controlled by the Spirit. Victorious Christians. But the fact is, it's up to us. Whether I'm controlled by the Spirit or by the flesh. Yes, I may have been filled with the Spirit in... 1941. I hope it wasn't that long ago. I wasn't even, I would have been all right. I was only a little kid at that time. It doesn't matter when you were filled with the Spirit. What, what we want to know is, are you filled with the Spirit now? Now. That's what counts. Do you have what you need to overcome today? Are you using it on a daily basis? So, walking in the Spirit requires some things. Number one, that we know right from wrong. In order to do that, you're going to have to know what God says. Number two, we're going to... We know things uh, that are written here in verses 19 through 21. We know they're wrong. you got to know that they're wrong. Thirdly, you need to know that self-improvement won't help you. Fourthly, you need to know that you have to give control of yourself to the spirit not to the flesh because when you give control to the flesh you're in trouble whether you've been a, called a spirit filled Christian or not whenever you give in to the flesh you're in trouble fifthly we know that the world's standards for right and wrong are different from God's standards in fact, most of them are just 180 out. Sixthly, we know that temptations are real. And I want to add here, I don't have it written down, but I want to add here, temptation is not a sin until you give in to it. And we know that they're real. And we know who the tempter is. We know he goes about like a roaring lion looking for whom he may devour. You might just as well expect that he is going to be there. You are in spiritual warfare. 
And whenever you lower your guard, you're in trouble. But you know, the last thing I want to say here is that we know that we have victory. We know that we have victory. And victory comes not by striving, but by surrender. And so what we need to do is let the Spirit have control. Summary, let me say this. The only true free man is Christ's bondsman. Are you struggling? How many here are would be honest enough to just raise their hand and say, Yes, I have been struggling. I believe the Spirit is speaking to me. Yes, I see those hands. Yes. Yes. God is saying to you this morning, I don't want you to get entangled again in the bondage of do's and don'ts. All I want you to do is surrender to me, everything to me, and I'll give you the victory. I'll give you the victory. Maybe there's a habit in your life. And struggle as you might, you just can't seem to get rid of that thing. Jesus said, I'll deliver you from it this morning. Maybe it's a relationship. And you're struggling in that relationship. And you've tried everything that you know. Christ is saying, I will take care of it if you'll just surrender that relationship to me. I think God is really speaking to some people in here other than those that have raised their hands already. How many more would raise their hand and say, yes, God is speaking to me. I have some stuff to surrender and I'm going to surrender it right now. Would you just raise your hand that we can pray together? I'm not going to bring you to the front or anything. I just want to see how many of this message was really speaking to. Yes, I see that. Hand. Yes, yes. Hallelujah. Yes, thank you. We're going to pray for you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, we know that Jesus bled and died that we might have life and that we might have it more abundantly. And Father, I find that we're living much below what you intend for our lives. Lord Jesus, we know that we are victorious as long as we are surrendered to you. As long as you are upon the throne of our heart and the Spirit is directing our lives. Father, you don't want us to get entangled again with 
the law, trying to do it on our own strength. We've all tried that in the past, and it doesn't work. And so we come laying our problems upon your altar this morning. You saw the hands that were raised, and I believe that you've spoken to many of us here this morning. God, we want to surrender all. We want to surrender all to Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Praise God. I surrender all. I surrender all. All. To Thee, my blessed Savior, I surrender all. I surrender all. I surrender all. All to Thee. My blessed Savior, I surrender all. Hallelujah. Leave it right here at the altar. Whatever your problem is this morning, I want you to realize that Jesus Christ is more than enough. He has supplied us with everything that pertains to life and godliness. You are victorious in the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want you to go from this place walking with your head held high. Let the Spirit direct and guide you. Knowing that you represent the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Practice the presence of God. He's going to be with you every step of the way. Come back again this evening that we might glorify His name. May God's blessings be with you. Amen.